0: Travel Podcast. This is Dan Runcie. Before we get started, I want to say a big thank you to everyone who shared last week's article on racial injustice and hip-hop's role in fighting that. I got a strong response, and ultimately, my main goal is to help spread the word, spread awareness, because this is how the movement and this is how things continue to spread. The more people that hear this message, that need to hear the message, can understand what they can do. One of the main themes from that article, which actually ties into this week's article, is what those in power can do to support. And the main thing that a lot of black people in positions of potential power are asking for is empowerment. They want to either be hired and supported when they're put in positions of leadership or they want their business endeavors to be funded and they want to be supported in that same way. And that ties into this week's article that I wrote on ownership and why ownership is so much more important in hip-hop than it happens to be in other genres of music. That's because the system hasn't always had hip-hop's best interest at heart. We've seen this time and time again, so the artists in hip-hop are more likely to take control. And this has long, impact on the type of strategic moves that are made, the type of partnerships that are made, what artists themselves therefore require from their business partners. It's all because we've all seen the pattern of people getting screwed over, people not getting their fair deal from agreements that they signed. We've seen that and artists no longer want to be in that position. So before I continue to give anything else away from the article, let me read it. Last Sunday, Beyonce gave the Class of 2020 an impactful commencement speech. There were tons of gems, but this was the part to stand up and clap. Quote, There was a pivotal turning point in my life when I chose to build my company many years ago. Not enough black women had a seat at the table, so I had to go chop down that wood and build my own table. Then I had to invite the best there was to have a seat. That meant hiring women, men, outsiders, underdogs, people who are overlooked and waiting to be seen, end quote. We've heard this quote build my own table before. Tyler Perry said it proudly at last year's BET Awards. Jay-Z had started Rockefeller because the major labels overlooked him. For them, entrepreneurship was a necessity. This was different for Beyonce though. Remember, the Destiny's Child singer was already a commercial success. She didn't launch Parkwood Entertainment For traction. She did it for empowerment. For many black artists, ownership is protection from an industry that doesn't look out for its best interest. The circumstances behind it are unfortunate, but the outcome made hip-hop stronger. Less faith in the system. One of Trapiddle's central themes is the trade-off between ownership and partnership. Every artist falls somewhere on this spectrum. Chance the Rapper is on one side telling rappers to follow his lead and own all their assets. Drake is on the other, living large with his, quote, unlimited budget from Universal Music Group. Yet still, the OVO Sound founder owns more of his business operations than his peers in other genres of music. Even the partnership-minded rappers maintain some level of ownership. This has happened for a few reasons. The first stems from themes in last week's article, Hip Hop's Fight Against Racial Injustice. The 90s hip-hop execs learned the horror stories from N.W.A. and its late manager, Jerry Heller. They weren't having it. Ownership was an insurance policy against the bullshit that any business partners tried to pull. Ironically, those same hip-hop execs tried that same bullshit on their own artists, which I've written about specifically on Death Row and Cash Money. I'll link to them in the show notes. The second reason is less overt, but still damaging. Hip-hop artists often are often given less leeway in their major label deals. Their partners expect them to fall in line and fit a specific profile. The partnership starts to feel more like a short leash. And naturally, ambitious artists have no desire to be leashed. Beyoncé's pre-Parkwood career is a textbook example. She kept a pristine image throughout The Writings on the Wall, Dangerously in Love, and B-Day. It was lucrative, but unrealistic. In 2013, Beyonce spoke about it in her Life is But a Dream documentary. Quote, I want to be able to sing about how much I hate myself that day, if that's how I feel. Forget being cool. I'm going to be honest. If I don't have to kill myself and be so hard on myself, if I'm scared, be scared. End quote. It's an experience that others that other artists and other genres of music are less likely to face. For instance, Justin Timberlake and Adam Levine have been stars for about as long as Beyoncé. The NSYNC and Maroon 5 frontmen have had numerous career transitions, thanks to hip-hop, mind you, that were welcomed with little resistance. Any controversial moments quickly faded away. Technically, both have launched record labels, but neither as expansive as Parkwood. And frankly... They don't need to be. When the industry has their back, there's less need to build their own table. If the industry ever lets them down, Timberlake still has the Trolls sequels and Adam Levine has the voice. Believe me, they will be fine. Put on for others. In a 2013 interview with Billboard, Beyonce shared why she launched Parkwood. Quote, when I decided to manage myself, it was important that I didn't go to some big management company. I felt like I wanted to follow the footsteps of Madonna and be a powerhouse and have my own empire and show other women, when you get to this point of your career, you don't have to go sign with someone else and share your money and your success. You do it yourself. End quote. In 1992, Madonna founded Maverick on a similar premise of woman empowerment but the Like a Prayer singer and her stable of artists had more privilege to be themselves. Maverick's biggest victory was signing Alanis Morissette, whose triple-diamond-selling Jagged Little Pill was one of the angstiest, no-fucks-given albums of its era. It's the type of album that if Beyoncé dropped in her early 20s, the media would have lost its damn mind. Beyoncé built Parkwood to be the company she wished existed when she came up. The venture with Columbia had the support of a major label and the independence of her own shop. She signed Chloe and Hallie, Sophie Beam, and Ingrid Burley to give them the freedom she didn't have until recently. The company empowers both them and herself. It proves that there is much more to success than exter- external accolades, but that perception can cloud reality, especially if that image is pushed by artists themselves. Let's rewind to 2007. 2007. Beyonce and Jay-Z's Upgrade You was everywhere. It had so many Audemars PJ references, it felt like a low-key advertisement. The name drop for Jacob the Jeweler was a rite of passage for 2000s hip-hop. We thought they had won, but not yet. Hove was a frustrated, post-Kingdom-come 30-something with a short leash as Def Jam president And Beyonce was tired of maintaining the perfection that was on full display in this lavish music video. If you haven't seen the Upgrade You music video in a while, go to YouTube and check it out and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. A decade later, though, the Carters rented out the Louvre for Ape Shit. It was a much more convincing sequel to Upgrade You. Because Jay-Z now had Roc Nation and a strong partnership with Live Nation. Beyonce now had Parkwood and more leverage with Columbia Records, they both found their spot on that ownership spectrum. What could have been? If the music industry and entertainment industry had empowered black artists decades ago, the past generation would be much better off. For every Jay-Z and Beyonce, there are countless more who weren't given much freedom, but their moment passed before they could take charge. This lack of empowerment hurt both artists and the industry tremendously. Rappers have proved for decades that they could sell millions of records in both major cities and suburbia. If more freedom was given, they could have accomplished more. This is one of the reasons why Swiss Beats and others want to launch a hip-hop founders fund. They want to take care of Melly Mel, Sugar Hill Gang, and the OGs. The elder generation never saw the easy money that today's rappers can earn with one sponsored Instagram post. The desire to put on for old heads has strengthened the community that looks out for one another. This ownership mentality is deeper than rap. It's instilled in many black people. Ownership implies that something can't be taken away. Rappers want to own their masters so they can't be taken away. It's the same reason why many of us are pushed to get advanced degrees. They can't be taken away. But as we learned, we still need support from the system. And that's where the balance comes in. There are plenty of advantages to partnering with big companies. Beyonce has been rewarded for her longstanding partnership with Columbia. I didn't mention this in the article, but I'd also add in Adidas there as well. It took longer than she might have wanted, but she set the generation and the model for the next generation to follow. Let's just hope, though, that the next generation doesn't need to be as big a star as Beyonce to make this happen. And that's the article. Thank you everyone who has sent in their feedback on it so far. It's been great to see how it's been resonating and the response from that as well. I'm going to continue to find ways to use both this podcast with a few upcoming interviews and conversations I have with people and the content of the newsletter to be able to continue explaining and reminding folks about why why this is important. It's not necessarily going to be the main focus, but it's still going to be a Critical one. So I appreciate all the support. Thanks again. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell at least one friend about this podcast. Word of mouth is still the best way to grow. Go to Apple Podcast, go to iTunes, leave a review, rate the podcast. I will screenshot and share the podcast ratings on Twitter, and Instagram. So that can encourage more people to share the podcast. And if you this podcast is your first introduction to Trapital, then make sure you check out the rest of the content. Go to trapital.co. That's T-R-A-P-I-T-A-L dot C-O. Sign up for the weekly newsletter. Get all the content there. And also, shoot me a text. That's also a great way to stay in touch with Trapital content. You can text me, Dan Runcie, at 415-234-3074. Thanks again. See you next week.